Shout out everybody. Oh, what, a, what a first half of church. Goodness me. Wow, we. Um, so, um, as Dale has said, uh, we are in the second part of our two weeks around um, worry and prayer. Um, so, who here was um, present last week or has heard the sermon online um, this week? Cool. So, quite a few people. Great. I'm going to give a bit of a recap anyway. So, something I fronted with um, last week was that um, this topic doesn't feel like really tidily kind of parceled up for me. Like, it's not like, here is the three Ps on prayer and like real easy to remember and like kind of, there it is. Um, it's kind of a bit more like, you got to grasp for it. And so uh, my encouragement last week was for people to get some paper, get some pens and to draw and to write. And um, have actually received a lot of feedback from people being like, wow, it was so helpful. Um, and so my encouragement is to do that again. So there's um, some pencils over there. Um, Etienne um, is going to flag down where some pencils and paper are um, over in the back corner by the library. That little um, kind of stationary rack that we um, got for free from someone that was throwing it out um, actually lives down in the bottom of the library all the time. So if you ever want to kind of engage with <laughs> um, engage with content by um, <laughs> this is so good um, through like drawing just be our guest that, that situation is set up for you or if you have some paper you want to bring along just do that wow. so um, just to say there's options there so just an encouragement um, to really utilise that to help um, kind of stay with the content so yep we're in our two week duology around um, moving from worry and fear into prayer. And I shared last week that I felt um, prompted to share about this. I um, woke up and felt God be like, talk about this. Um, and was like, okay. Um, kind of jotted down some notes. It, um, I think had been kind of swimming around in my mind, a lot of these ideas for quite a while. And um, in particular, um, the book that I'm drawing pretty heavily on is um, this book, Reaching Out, which I borrowed um, from Nathan Bayless. Oh. Um, honestly, if you are thinking about buying a book, just check with Nathan first, because oh. you probably can borrow it from him. If Nathan doesn't have it, check with Holly Morton second. Um, and yeah, let's just share it around. So um, we've got a couple of copies of um, this book coming to the library soon. It's a heavy read, but such a good one. Um, so just to recap again, a thing that I said last week is that Jesus challenges us and disrupts our status quo, but he's also good to meet us where we're at. And so um, for anyone that feels worried about a sermon about worry or conscious that you're a warrior, um, I just want to say peace be upon you. Um, and to any voice um, of shame or accusation that says, oh, it's not very good that you're worrying, is it? Oh, that's, that's terrible. Um, we just say go away. It's just an unhelpful voice. That's actually... That's, that's not God. That can go away um, in the name of Jesus. And um, just to remind us that um, we have been kind of exploring this language of um, led by the Spirit um, versus the other kind of voices and things that we can hear and distinguishing between the two. So Lauren spoke about this at camp, about um, the voice of conviction of the Holy Spirit um, and revelations that come from God. The voice of the Spirit coming from revelations of God's kindness. Um, and not out of our kind of um, condemnation of ourselves or um, kind of, I need to do it better. So um, I shared that the hallmarks for me around discerning um, between the voice of God and um, what isn't coming from God is whether um, what comes to you leaves you feeling like you have options. 
Because um, whenever God has called me into something um, or um, given me conviction about something, it, it might be that it's a daunting call to live into, but I always feel like I have choice and agency. I don't feel stuck or like I should keep things a secret or like I'm closed in or kind of existentially condemned. It's um, always results in kind of an opening up, a widening of things. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just going to put the same thing out as I did last week. Who here feels like they're learning the distinction between um, the voice of God and what isn't from God? Cool. There's a bunch of people that are discerning and journeying and moving forward with that. So if off the back of tonight you're like, ah, oh, this is what's sticking with me, can I just share this with you? Can we just chat about it? We just really encourage you to hit up any of those people and just bounce those ideas back and forward, pray about it, and journey together on that. Cool. So last week, um, the, the place I started was um, sharing about the countercultural thing about Jesus' kingdom, which is that um, our entry into the kingdom of God isn't based on our own merit or our own performance. We talked about um, how so many different groups, um, it's kind of like your belonging is tied to how well you can do stuff. Um, being on the netball team, even if it's the social netball team, still is like about whether or not you can vaguely play netball. Whereas being in the kingdom of God is based on our just realising we, we can't work our way into it, we can't earn our way in, and just receiving the gift. And so um, there's lots of different ways that Jesus talks about um, his kingdom, but one of the kind of imagery um, he uses is being citizens. Um, so we get given citizenship, and then from that, we start learning the customs and the culture of that kingdom. So we're made citizens, we're invited to be, to be citizens of Jesus' kingdom, and then we learn the customs and the culture. So I said, Jesus came saying he is the way, the truth, and the life. The way is choosing to receive Jesus' gift of citizenship into his kingdom. The truth is that we can't and we don't have to earn this. And the life is learning and living into the customs and culture of this kingdom, Jesus' kingdom. Um, and I want to just like frame this up for the theology nerds in the room. Um, so, yeah. So there's this great book called Worship, Community, and the Triune God of Grace by James B. Torrance. And in it, he talks yeah. about um, this guy, John Calvin, um, who was kicking around in the 1500s, and about a book he wrote called Institutes, where he talks about legal repentance and evangelical repentance. I'm mainly just flexing this because I did actually read these books and because sometimes people say to me, oh, Blueprint, you guys just talk about feelings. We need to talk more about kind of hard theology. So I thought, I'll, just, I'll link it to the theology for everybody. Um, so in this book, he, Torrance is talking about Calvin's book from the 1500s. And he says, legal repentance says, repent, and if you repent, you will be forgiven. As though God our Father has to be conditioned into being gracious. Legal repentance makes obedience the thing that is logically prior to grace. So it regards God's love and forgiveness and acceptance as conditional upon what we do. The act of repentance. Calvin argued that this is actually inverting the order that God intended. That the evangelical order of grace says that... Um, God's forgiveness is offered as a gift first and that we receive it through the act of repentance. So it's, it's like um, this thing that's just sitting there waiting for you to receive and then you say, oh yeah, I'd actually like that kind of thing 
rather than um, saying, hey, I'd like that, and being like, okay, yeah, you can have it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah, really recommend this book. It's quite, quite a time. Nathan probably has it in his library. In fact, I think he does. Um, so if you feel like some heavy reading for the winter, um, hit him up. So as I say, we talked about Jesus coming and him saying, join this kingdom, become citizens of my kingdom. And how our response to this is um, the taking up of the gift we're given. And that, that taking up of the gift is repentance. And from there, we moved into talking about, um, I guess, as I've said, the learning, um, the customs and the culture. And one of those um, being the movement from worry towards prayer. I shared that Kat, Charlotte and I came up with a snazzy definition of worry um, through our combined intelligence and the internet. Um, We said worry is a pattern of thought, usually about the future. So worry is a behaviour. And it's something we do, and it's often something we do in response to fear or uncertainty. It's, off, it's not something we um, normally are conscious we're choosing. It's just kind of like we go there and we start worrying, usually when we feel afraid or uncertain. And what I find really beautiful is that in Matthew 6, Jesus um, directly addresses the crowds about worry. He actually talks about it, which I think is encouraging. It's like, ah, people have been worrying kind of since forever. This is part of um, what goes on for us, and Jesus is acknowledging that and then inviting them um, into into another way in response. So I'm going to reread that Matthew 6. Um, On um, the PowerPoint, we've got um, the the words, so people can read along. Oh, there they are. Hopefully big enough for people to read. This is... um, This translation is like a, I think is the NIV, and the one I'm going to read is the message, so it's a nice chance for you guys to kind of listen and and read and kind of compare um, how those two translations sit. So if you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more than the birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. And have you ever seen colour and design quite like it? The ten best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting that you can, so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you both know God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God's provision. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So what I take from this is that there's this real admission from Jesus that worry is is something we're going to encounter 
his total understanding of what it is to be human, because he, he came incarnate in human form, um, shows that he, he gets that there's uncertainty for us as we navigate the world. Um, and we see Jesus go, we, we see Jesus experience stress and um, endure kind of the difficulty of the feelings that we endure. Um, and we see how he responds um, in prayer in those situations. He knows that um, there'll be times when we're out of control, where we've only got limited influence on the circumstances, um, and we will have need. And his invitation to us in that is to remember God's care for us and to draw our attention um, onto those things, onto the things of God. So, as I said last week, um, I flagged a couple of reasons why I think we go to worry. One is that I think worry gives us the illusion of control. It gives us something to do when we kind of like, ah, oh, there's not much else we can do. Um, and another thing is that it, um, I guess, can weirdly be a source of comfort. It's like a, um, it feels better to hold on to worry and pretend that that um, actually is doing something in the world than admitting, like, ah, oh, I've got really limited influence in this situation because um, that can be quite hard to face. Um, we use the example of the scene function on Messenger, um, which I re-listened I re to the recording from last week um, today just to kind of like refresh. And I actually, like, my stomach clenched re-listening to just the example I gave about asking someone on a date in Messenger and then seeing the message and not replying. I was like, I was just like a visceral response. And I knew what was coming in the story. It's like, whoa. Um, but yeah, just those situations that come up in life where we, like, realise we're not in control um, and we're like, ah, and how easily that space um, gets filled in with worry um, and, yeah, us trying to work it out. So just the, the final thing that I kind of bought um, last week before we move on to more things um, is that the journey um, from... The journey in prayer is one where we um, have our illusions stripped back about ourselves and about the world. Um, that's something that Henry Nguyen talks a lot about in this book. Um, and I think Jesus, um, in this story in Matthew 6, he isn't saying to people, pretend like um, you don't need to eat or pretend like you don't need to be clothed. He's like, Yep, those things matter, but don't kind of um, have those be like the sole thing you, you focus on. Um, can, you can acknowledge those before God, um, and you can um, just confess that, like, yeah, there is uncertainty there, um, and, and you don't have to pretend that um, you've got that all perfect or you've got that all on lock. Um, yeah, I'm going to read you this little quote from Noan. It says, In order to move from illusion to prayer... We need the willingness and courage to reach out far beyond the limit of our fragile and finite existence towards our loving God in whom all life is anchored. The journey of prayer and intimacy with God is one of moving from false certainties to uncertain truths. Cool. So, tonight, focusing on prayer. Um, there's like a lot of different ways you can define prayer, eh? Well, what are, what are some ways you guys would define prayer? Just give me some words. Talking to God. Talking to God. Oh, there was a bit of a snap on there. Nice. Listening to God. Listening to God. Nice. 
two sons tried to prove that I get told I'm an LAP, which is a long ass prayer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. What's the other time? And then there's the other time, which is like two second prayer, and then you're ready to eat and just get in there. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Short prayer, long prayer, talking, listening. Cool. What else have we got? Asking for stuff. Pardon? Asking God. Asking for stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah, praying on behalf of other people, asking for stuff for other people. Yeah. Poetry. Poetry, yeah. Yeah. Did Annalise have something to say? If someone's already said, I've seen advocating for others. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Just life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So good. Just life. Powerful. Powerful. Um, I hope you guys' drawing is getting like really good at this point. Um, so I think there's a lot of different ways that we can define prayer. Um, there's this quite narrow definition, which, again, kind of feeling like really wanting to support the theology nerds. Um, this comes from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which says, Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will, in the name of Christ, with the confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. So it's conversation, it's connection, it's saying sorry, it's saying please, it's saying, oh, this was great. It's saying, I see this going on over here, and it's, it's words, it's short, it's long, um, it's life. So we get to um, Paul's letter to the Philippians, which um, we're going to grab the slide up again and um, read this. This is like a kind of punchy, like, this is where we're going, this is where we're landing, but... Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the centre of your life. So good, eh? So this is where we're focusing tonight. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. And there's two um, kind of like, verby things in this little bit, um, which I've highlighted and italicised. Who can spot them? <laughs> Shape and displaces. Yeah, so good. So um, next slide, please, David. Absolute <laughs> talent back there. Um, so, so good. This is um, a stock images sn- um, snap of like a, a stock. <laughs> Do you guys ever been onto like a stock image website? It's so funny. You hover your co- cursor over the thing and it's like Caucasian child leans over clay um, like <laughs> thing to center the, the laugh. Like it's just, it's so funny how it describes what's in the image. So um, this is me taking a snip of this image of people centering clay because um, what came to mind for me um, when reading this passage around shaping your worries into prayers was this idea of molding clay. Um, So I recently did a pottery course for eight weeks, um, which I was just joking that um, every now and then I just go and do things for myself. Um, but actually now I'm using it as a sermon illustration, so like, was it really for me? But this is one of the cups I made. Um, yeah, so good. Um, I didn't expect it to shrink as much.
much as it did, they shrink when they go through the kiln. So that's learning for next time. And going as well. And yeah, I guess they, they shrink when they, you throw them. So this this is the process of throwing um, and centering. And um, this idea, I don't know if there's something tactile you guys do. Who's here has played with play or play-doh? Yeah, so many people. So many people. So I, I want to... I want us to think about our worries as being this thing that we kind of, we have, um, I guess, being invited to shape into prayer. Um, that's the, the image we're going to go with tonight. And I want us to explore together. I'm sorry it's taken 20 minutes to even get to the content for tonight. Um, but this idea of shaping, how is it that we shape our worries into prayers? And I'm going to remind us of a couple of things that I found helpful in this in this process. And the first one is remembering that prayer is a gift from God. So we cannot truly pray by ourselves, but it is God's Spirit um, who prays in us that yet again, um, just like that imagery of um, being invited into citizenship first and then from there learning the customs, um, God actually makes the way for us first. God makes the invitation first. So prayer is grace. It's a, a free gift from God. God entered into our lives um, by the Spirit. And um, that, I guess, is just like a helpful starting place for me to remember. It's like, oh, God actually is giving me this as a good thing, um, as a, a good way of life. In Jesus, God became one of us to lead us into intimacy with the Trinity. Um, a little image that is really helpful with this um, around prayer is that um, is around like being asthmatic. How many people are asthmatic in the room? So being asthmatic, um, sure, like you guys, I'm so, so true around. So, so true around. Um, no, like... <laughs> when people read like bad motives into your chat, just like... Um, so um, I'm going to really butcher explaining what being asthmatic is, but effectively it's like constriction in the bit of your throat where you breathe, which makes it harder for you to breathe. And then when you get an inhaler, it helps like open the airway so you can breathe. Is that good? Did I miss anything? Okay, great. So the Latin, the Latin word um, for anxiety is angustia, which means narrowness. And um, all of us could probably relate to that experience of worry kind of squeezing us in and making us feel like the space we've got is smaller. And prayer um, is this thing, it's like an inhaler, I suppose, which like this, the breath of the Spirit like opens up um, and enables us to breathe and to take in the life of God more. So we as a people are a worried, asthmatic people. Um, and we are invited to breathe in the breath of God, which um, not only, I guess, changes us from the inside to enable us to breathe more, but actually um, gives us the breath. Because when you take the inhaler, it like both opens up your airways, but it also gives you the air. So, um, yeah, prayer is this, this gift that comes from the Spirit that, that um, is given to us to take away our narrowness and to give us a wider place to breathe in and from. And who gets this gift? Everybody, everybody gets this gift. Everybody and anyone can call 
upon the name of the Lord um, in Jesus. It's through Christ that we pray, and Christ's um, yeah, offering to us is that um, you don't have to like call between office hours. Like You can just call any time. It's for anybody, any time. You don't need to go on hold. I used to think that talking to God um, was like, like being on the phone. Um, when I first came to faith, um, when I was like 11 or 12, I used to think that it was like talking on the phone, and so I had to like talk real fast to God so that then the next person could talk to God um, after me. But actually, like multiple people can be talking to God at once, and you don't have to call within office hours. So it's for anybody, anytime. Um, yeah, so good. When to pray? We can we can pray whenever. That is another gift. Um, God is available to us. Um, God's outside of time, doesn't sleep, doesn't hold office hours, um, and yeah. That's also just so great. <laughs> so great to remember. They might seem basic, but I was like, I feel like it's important to acknowledge, like, any of us can do this anytime, anywhere. So that's the first thing. Prayer is a gift from God. A second thing um, that I think helps us to kind of shape our worries into prayers is knowing that God wants us to be honest and doesn't need us to come tidily. So Jesus makes it clear that he knows we'll worry and we see, um, as I said, Jesus um, going to the Father in prayer in times of distress and praying. In the Gospels, we see people turning up and reaching out to Jesus um, from the dust, um, from places of shame, from um, places where they're like really downtrodden in society. And effectively, those people are talking to Jesus, which is what we've just said prayer is. So the whole Gospels is like an account of how to pray and where you can pray from and what that looks like. We see people making this approach towards Jesus, reaching out to him. People reach out to him with their desires and with their worries and their hopes all bundled up together and they ask for healing and they show that they are um, upset. And we just have those beautiful stories available to us um, to see, oh, this is what it looks like to pray. Paul exalted the Philippians to bring your concerns and to, to bring your petitions and to lay them down before God. And we can just bring that as we are, wherever we are. We don't have to be tidy. That's a second good thing to remember in shaping our worries into prayer. We can come honestly. We can come messily. It's all good. And then the third one is really like the big one for me in the last year that I think has kind of come home which is that um, just the idea that I think, I think I used to think that when I prayed, I was making God aware of things that God didn't already know, know about. I kind of imagined it was like me rolling up and kind of like knocking on the door and being like, God, do you know about this happening? And kind of like putting it on God's agenda and really needing to like bring a lot of like about it um, to like, I don't know, make some noise. or I think I just had this sense of responsibility kind of a little bit out of whack around prayer. Um, but again, this, this guy, James Torrance, says, the first real step on the road to prayer is to recognize that none of us really knows how to pray, but that as we bring our desires to God, we find we have someone who is already praying for us, with us and in us. So Jesus... We can't. We roll up. We're like, here's our concerns, and Jesus is like, I know, man, I'm concerned about that too. I've I've actually already been praying for you in that. 
And Jesus takes our prayers, our ways of articulating those things. <laughs> Fun. Um, he takes our um, kind of feeble words, the places where we feel we're inarticulate, the places where maybe we feel like we're being selfish and we don't come with good motives. He takes all of that anyway and he dusts off um, the things that don't need to be there and he, he presents those prayers. He, make, he makes them his own and he brings them to the Trinity and they pray over those things. And the image that I kind of imagine now with prayer is not one of me kind of knocking up, running up, knocking on the door, kind of being let in and like barging in to be like, here's these concerns, God. But rolling in and finding the Trinity like in a huddle, already like talking about sharing their heart for that situation and that I get invited into the kind of like team huddle and I get to hear the heart of God of like, oh yeah, this is... This is what we see here. This is what we long for here. Mm. And I get to, um, I think there's like a reorientation that's gone on for me around that, around realizing that Jesus is interceding for us, that the Trinity deeply cares and knows, Mm. cares more than we do, knows better than we do, Mm. which means that um, I've been liberated from my worries in prayer because I can trust that... um, God's got it more than I have. And so what's kind of happened is, just to to restate, the point here is remembering we have Jesus praying for us. That's what helps shape our worries into prayer. Is that coming to terms with that more and more has actually been transformative to the worry in me. Like I didn't go and pray specifically wanting it to be about me. Like say I was worried about this situation over here but was feeling worried about it. Like... The gift is that I enter into this space of prayer with the Trinity and I'm freed up from my worry in the process of prayer. It's like a good byproduct kind of thing. Um, So the process of prayer has been transformative for me because it reorients me to the truth, I believe. It deflates my sense of self-importance, the lie of like, it's all up to me, I'm responsible, I've got to be all over this. Um, And it reestablishes that... Yep, there is a place for you here. Like, you're welcome in this huddle. You can be involved in um, praying over this situation. Like, I'm given a place, but it's kind of, like, freed up from being, like, you have to carry all the responsibility. Um, Yeah. There's something that I'm, yeah, just liberated from in that process. Um, And that's that thing of moving from false certainty into uncertain truth. That's kind of the journey of prayer. This is all very mystical, like, if you guys are confused, like, I'm, I've been really confused, but, like, I'm like, there's something good here, but how to use the words. Um, yeah. So God cares more than I do. God is already aware. And that helps me to be freed from thinking, it's all up to me. Um, or I have to, like, bend God's arm to care. So I get to join in the intercession of the Trinity to hear their heart for a situation. And in that, I don't have to worry about getting the words right. And so that leads me to the second image um, we're given, which is that of displacing. Now, my hope here was to have some kind of visual other than this visual. Um, (laughs) But I didn't quite get organized. But can you you guys imagine like a glass jar with like dirty water in it? And then someone comes and pours like clean water in. And then it kind of fills up and like how that thing of like water leaving when other things get poured in. 
people with me on that? Yes. Yeah, great. Um, that's the image I have of displacing. So Christ displacing worry. David, can you go back to the slide with the um, Philippians? Thanks, bro. Love being on time with you. Yeah, there it is. Um, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. And I think that process of bringing our worries to God, remembering we can come messily and honestly, remembering that um, God is already praying for us, and remembering that prayer is this gift that's given to us, um, all of that helps displace worry at the center of our life and instead kind of infills that with Christ and the Holy Spirit. So it's this displacing, like water being poured into us, this incoming thing. And I think those lies that I um, kind of spoke out before, like um, uh, it's all up to me or I'm responsible for this situation for someone else um, or I don't know, you guys will know other ones, like my worth is determined by how well I do at work and I'm feeling worried about that. What if I don't get it right? Or um, if I don't get it right, I'll be rejected or... You know, those kind of things that we worry about, um, God's spirit can come in and displace those things um, and root out the, like, lie or kind of misconception we've had that made us, like, that was the origin place of that worry in the first place. So those are some thoughts on prayer. The sermon doesn't really super tidily wrap up. Um, I want to just lead us in a short practice of prayer now before we um, sing together. Um, so just go to the, the last slide, please, David. So there's a beautiful story in reaching out. I'd hoped to read it out to you guys, but this has gone on way longer than I intended. So we're, we're just not going to read it out. You just kind of have to wait till the books arrive in the library. Um, but it's about a pilgrim who learns this prayer and their journey with it. Um, so I would invite you just to get comfortable in your chair. Maybe give a little shake first if you're kind of feeling a bit like, um, I don't know, if you've been sitting for a long time, which you have. And I'm just going to lead us in a way that we can practice this. So sit down in silence. Lower your head and shut your eyes. Breathe out gently and imagine yourself looking into your own heart. Carry your mind, i.e. your thoughts, the words in your head, from your head to your heart. Draw those things down from your head to your heart. Breathe in. And as you breathe out, say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Breathe in again. Say it again, maybe moving your lips gently or simply saying it in your mind. Try to put all other thoughts aside. Be calm, be patient, patient and repeat the process very frequently. was a little bit of an intro into a way of praying this prayer. 
which is called the Jesus Prayer. Um, oh, I am going to read you a tiny bit about the story of this pilgrim. Just a tiny bit. Um, there's a guy, the pilgrim, he rolls in, he finds this monk who practices this prayer, and he says to him, he, he says kind of what I just read through for you guys, and he instructs him to say the prayer 3,000 times a day, then 6,000 times a day, then 12,000 times a day, and finally, as often as he wants. The pilgrim is very happy to have found someone um, to lead him in prayer and follows his instructions. And then it goes on to talk about his, his experience of that. Um, but upon learning this prayer just a few weeks ago, um, I've just started practicing that, just trying to take a moment to pray that out. Um, yeah, in, in moments when worries come up, because sometimes formatting our worries into like prayers before God can be really hard work, but just saying that simply as a prayer, um, doing that journey of pulling the things that are in our mind into our hearts um, can be a way for us to um, enter into God's grace afresh um, in the moment and to um, go from that narrowness into a wider standing space um, and to meet God there. Awesome.